Welcome to Inaudible. My name is Jeremy Wyland. My co-host, dang it, is me. <laughs> is me, it. Ryan. No, no, no. I said it says my co-host Ryan Masterson is on parental leave. Uh, I'm not. Well, I am, but I'm not. Continue. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. Welcome to Inaudible. My name is Jeremy Wyland. My co-host, Ryan Masterson, is joining me today. On this podcast, we discuss the weird, beautiful channeled messages found in the archives of LL Research and other organizations like them. The archives contain transcripts of messages from allegedly discarnate sources who claim to hail from an organization they call the Confederation of Planets in service to the Infinite Creator. If you would like an audio version of the transcripts, please subscribe to Ryan's other podcast, Living Love and Light, available on all platforms. Ryan and I will try to provide analysis and commentary on the philosophy described in these messages, identifying the common themes, and grappling with the application of this information to our human lives. Thanks for joining us on this journey, and Ryan, my dear Yo. friend... It is so good to talk to you again while we have the record button on. How are you doing? I'm alive and happy. Our baby is out getting out of the newborn phase and into the baby phase where the baby is smiling and, you know, she's interacting more. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're pulling out of the cave and <laughs> towards the light of, uh, of parenthood. Because the first, you know, they call the first three months the fourth trimester. Because I think from an evolutionary perspective, Women wait too long to give birth. They die. Women die because your baby gets too big. You know, so we figured out this evolutionary thing where nine months is about the right time, gestational age, but babies still need so much care. So anyway, we're coming out of that fourth trimester now and uh, getting a bit more sleep. So we're, I'm doing well. Thank you, Jeremy. How yes. are you? You look well-rested. You look... Uh, fit and happy, and it is—it's uh, really good to be back in the saddle with you. I'm—I'm I'm doing fine. Um, I have uh, been really—I uh, don't know. October was kind of tough because not only was I not doing the podcast, but uh, you know, it just didn't seem like anything was going on in the realm of spirit that I wasn't pushing, save one thing. Well, mm -hmm. two things. Uh, one, the meditation. The, the weekly meditation group that I, that I mm -hmm. do, um, that's been keeping me grounded and, um, doing the weekly, uh, one-on-one -on -one conversations with those who, uh, we work with in the other selves working group. Um, just being able to have an ongoing, uh, dialogue with other seekers and compare notes on our lives and how we apply this philosophy to our lives. It is a tremendous blessing for me. And I hope, I, I think I'm pretty certain that, you know, the people I talk to get something out of it, and, but they help me so tremendously. I never leave one of those conversations, just like this podcast, mm -hmm. just like when we record here, I never leave the recording. I never leave the conversation uh, with whenever we talk about these things, uh, feeling deflated or de-energized, you know, even if I'm tired, my spirit is way up here and I just want to keep going. And, uh, that's why, you know, we're maybe it's good that we're going to have a little bit of a constrained episode today where uh, we had a little bit of a scheduling snafu. Um, but uh, we I'm really glad that we uh, can go ahead and get an episode out. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's funny. This The last few months have been, um, I won't call them dark, you know, but it's one thing to be uh, 
physically tired. I, I've learned maybe about 10 years ago that your physical strength functions as something like a, um, what would you call like an emotional buffer? If you are struggling inside emotionally and you feel healthy and strong physically, well, then you can, it seems like you can deal with that emotional challenge, whatever you're going through. However, if you lose that yeah. physical strength, whether it be, you know, you run 20 miles and you're, you're literally out of blood sugar, <laughs> you know, you're literally out of energy or something else is going on, it becomes very hard to cope with those emotional feelings. I learned that a long time ago and, and I got just a little reminder of that with our, you know, with our baby and you're just acting on no sleep. Just the general, and I mean general, stress of the world and the constant targeting of fear towards you, towards like the media, um, I guess just the media in general. You know, it's like you can't turn on the TV or <laughs> I can't turn on the TV or YouTube or anything without just getting bombarded with kind of those fear messages or things that just kind of piss me off, you know, and combine that with just being tired, you know, and I, I started getting down and down and feeling really down. But these messages, uh, these channelings in these sessions always, always, always bring me back to the center, to, to my center, you know, and they help give me perspective. And that's one thing, that's the thing I was hoping to chat with you about today. I mean, that is the, in my opinion, the, the, the basic quintessential point of this podcast. It is to take, you know, nobody needs our help to read the transcripts. They're all free. They're all out there. And, uh, you know, you can read them yourself, but what we're hoping we can, we've always hoped we could have a dialogue about how to apply it because it seems like there's less information about that. There's less stuff to read out there about how different people with different temperaments, with different catalysts, with different events, you know, situations in their lives, mm -hmm. different mm -hmm. constraints, right? We all have limitations, but some of our limitations are different than mm -hmm. others. Um, some of our preferences and some of what draws us towards the upward spiraling light is different than others. So finding, having a survey of different ways of dealing with stuff, having a, having a, the ability to talk about when the rubber hits the road. To me, that's what's interesting and worth making media yeah. about, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's, um, I guess that's the, that, that is kind of the wonderful part about all of this material. And the material you're you're working on generating, it's it means something different to each person who reads it, depending on where they're at at their lives in their lives, and maybe what they need in the moment. And you know, at this time, I'm going, I'm doing some of the the quote unquote LL research origins that's on their website, and I'm reading through Man Consciousness and Understanding from Clyde Trepanier back in the late 50s, early 60s. And one of the things that they've been hitting hard, at least recently, with some of the, you know, the recent publications or episodes, is that you have this part of you that is the subconscious, that is essentially the all, right? It's that connection with 
with everything. It's it's who you are on the on a soul basis with like you know maybe all the lives you've lived, all the experiences you've ever had, everything you've encountered in your life, whether or not you were ready to receive you know the meaning of that. Your subconscious contains all of that, and then it's overlaid with this thing called consciousness. And you can't, nothing will come into your consciousness until you're ready for it. And I love being reminded of that, that everything that I receive, the thoughts, the opinions, my worldview, just the struggles, everything is based on where my consciousness is at right now. And if I, if I work on raising my consciousness, then I lift that bar and I allow new things to come in, come in, new perspectives, new new challenges, but hopefully a, a greater sense of peace with the struggles that I currently deal with. You know, yeah, it's like your um, your lower. It's like you're widening the ratio on the compressor, right? There's like your the the same experience is coming through the signal. Yeah, sorry, I'm using. <laughs> I'm using audio processing because uh, uh, that's our lingo frank mm. for for both of us. But the idea is that you know when when you hear really well produced music, it's usually because it's been compressed. In other words, the the frequencies that fall outside a certain box have been limited so that it boosts or it it feels like it boosts what's left in that box. Mm. Those frequencies that you do want to target. Well, think of think of this. If we think if so first and foremost, when I used to hear ideas like raise your consciousness, I always thought, what, what do you mean raise my consciousness? And only recently, and by recently, I mean, in the last 30 seconds, have I, have, I think I've kind of realized what that means for me. And if we take raising your consciousness as a, as a one dimensional visualization of kind of saying what I said, that you have your subconscious and what sits on top is this layer of consciousness. And as you raise that level, think of like a rising tide, there's a whole bunch of extra volume that can sit underneath that, a whole bunch more experience and maybe new thoughts and new challenges that can sit and funnel through that consciousness. But if that doesn't work for you, maybe think of it as a, as a two-dimensional visualization. Think of it as a circle. Itty bitty circle and raising your consciousness is simply making that circle bigger and wider. Yeah. What is the surface area of the, what, what is the di, uh, the circumference of the circle? It's not a linear, you know, you, you double the diameter of the, of the circle. You don't double the circumference. It's a, you know, it's a nonlinear function. It's an, you know, you really widen, you double the diameter of the circle. You really widen that circumference. And I feel like that's my, yeah. that might be what it is with when you're quote unquote, raising your consciousness, you're expanding that circle. And when you expand that circle, you just, you know, that circumference of your, of your, of yourself widens and you become exposed to so much more. Um, but that's hard to do. <laughs> How do you raise your consciousness? You know, and that's what I've struggled with the last three months, kind of being away from you. I have not been meditating. You know, I've been, I've been scrolling through Twitter, which is like very dangerous. And, uh, and it's like, how do you, how do you raise your consciousness through all of this? Well, I'll check in with LL research <laughs> or I'll check in with some of these messages and read through them. Yeah. I, 
I, I know what you mean. I, I do feel like uh, past month or two has been a little bit deflated too. Um, I mean, if you're if you're paying attention to Twitter, oh, oh it's my terrible. God. Like, I start there, dude. You know what? You know, <laughs> Jeremy. Let me share with you some great news. My wife has deleted her Facebook account, yeah. and. I don't know why I don't follow suit and just delete my Twitter. Actually, you know, I know why I don't delete my Twitter. I need to focus my Twitter on simply what's called FinTwit, financial Twitter, because the talk about what's going on with certain companies and countries on FinTwit is actually is actually very good information for at least catching rumors. And since a lot of trading happens on rumors, I can kind of put my finger up to the wind and see what's going on. I need to delete every ever every other person that I'm following that is not financially oriented. I need to delete or else I just need to get off Twitter because I took a break from Facebook when I did my graduate degree and I was working on another uh, financial certification and it was the happiest I had I had did not I did not realize how unhappy I was on Facebook and not because of the messages I was receiving but the fact that I was spending so much time simply looking at other people's lives rather than living my own. And yeah. now, and I'm, and I'm so happy because my wife has taken that, that plunge. You know, I think she's recognized, you know, in herself, nah, you know, there's, I'm not, I'm just not feeling right. Here's a step I could take. Let's see what happens. You know, so I'm excited to see what happens and I need to follow suit. <laughs> I, I need to follow suit. I, I've, I've felt like Twitter has been um, a negative force in my life for probably half a dozen years at least. Mm. But 2021 was largely lived off of Twitter. 2022, like, I just, um, I've, I've somehow, look, I didn't make myself meditate. Just one day it just clicked, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I found the secret, mm -hmm. right? Like, don't make yourself do it. Skip it if you want. But every day, give yourself the option to do it. And then that is kind of what um, I would never have guessed that would, was what would do it. And maybe there are other things I'm not giving credit. With Twitter, I've decided if I scroll through that feed and I say F off to the screen more than three times within five minutes, that's a sign. I'm, I'm convinced. Like, I'm, de I'm deleting this right now. I'm just, why, why talk about it? I'm just going to do this. Remove... <laughs> Delete, delete. Yeah. All right, we're done. The pro, the, it's the, the, done. Here's the thing. Here's the, here's the thing. But I, I use Twitter for something different than mm. you do because you're trying to get this financial information. Oh my God, the worries about inflation right now on That's Twitter crazy. that people must just be. It must be nuts. But like, I love Twitter as a purveyor of humor. Oh my the, gosh, the ability to write a funny tweet like it is amazing. But um. Like, that's the thing. It seems like if I open up Twitter and I'm like chuckling every like minute or 90 seconds, that's a good use of my yeah. time. I'm having fun, you know, but th there's so many times where I'm like a couple minutes go by and I haven't found anything that's worth reading. And, and then that's what I, I have learned. Just close it. It's not going to get better. You're not going to find some that kernel like that, that, uh, that pearl that you missed. Yeah. Like you're not going to find it by scrolling. no. no. That's a great way of putting it. <laughs> but that's what you think. I just, yep. I'm just going to do one yep. more, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, it reminds me of the so, two minutes hate. Was it, is that what it was in Orwell's 84? The in, two minutes. Yeah, in 84, just, yeah. That's what it is, but it's not two minutes. <laughs> you know, and my phone weekly gives me a screen time report of how much time I spend on it. I'm like, ugh. 
Dude, speaking of 1984, I've been listening to Van Halen's 1984 a lot. Good on you, sir. <laughs> I never, ever, ever, ever understood why people liked Van Halen, and now I'm sort of like, I'll, I need to, I need to visit it. <laughs> it's a little bit shameful. Not shameful. <laughs> it was because I watched a Family Guy where they featured like Panama in it, mm-hmm. that song Panama, and every like scene would just have him like crashing through the room in a car going. With the, Song, but I need to check it out, <laughs> and I just got carried away. I need to check it out, but it's nice to be. It's nice to feel like I need more musical inspiration. Yeah. So maybe not Van Halen, but I need to find something. new. Do you want something you know? new? I'll send you some new stuff. I found a, this Mongolian rock band called the Who Band. Uh, they had a they had a oh, they had awesome. a hit song called the Wolf Wolf Totem. That's 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 cool. And I found this Danish this I've I've like gotten into like this darker Danish rock or uh. Uh, like Norwegian met uh I'll send you some stuff because I'm like how did I even find this you know how <laughs> I you know that I am uh my my superpower is digression <laughs> but I do want to focus us yes. back on um because what I'm really interested in is can you talk a little bit about uh what it, it, is there something that has been getting you down in yes. particular or is it just yes okay. specifically it's covid and it's people's reactions to covid it's what personally i feel is a very draconian response to covid it just it seems like to me there are countries out there that are saying you know what we're going back to life as usual and those countries are doing fine then you have other countries that are like yeah we're not doing that we're going to lock down in fact if you're not vaccinated you don't get to live your life at all you don't get to leave your house. I mean, just some dark things are occurring across the world from my perspective. And again, take this with a grain of salt because my perspective has been in Twitter world. I mean, I read lots of news. It's a part of my job is to read the news and try to figure out what's true and what's not true, what's going on, because markets are affected by what's going on with people's perceptions. But my perception is that there's a, a meaningful power play that is trying to work its way into our system that is not based on health. It's based on control. And my concern is that, well, I don't like that. I don't want to partake in that. Um, what happens? What happens if I stand my ground? You know, I mean, I'm a vaccinated guy, but I'm not entirely sure if I want to go get a booster or if I do go get a booster, when will I get the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh boosters? Because those will happen as they show as your antibodies decrease over time when you have the vaccination. What happens when I say, yeah, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, Then I'm not, will I not be allowed to partake in society? You know, what happens to me? What happens to my family? What happens to my job? People are dealing with this right now. You know, people are being fired right now. You know, everyone knows the doctors and nurses that worked all the way through the pandemic that have now been let go because they aren't, they don't want to get vaccinated. Maybe they've had it already, whatever, whatever it is. I don't like what's going on. And what concerns me most is not necessarily from seeing what's happening top down. And I don't want to digress into like my opinions, but just so you understand my my concerns and my fears. It's not necessarily that I'm seeing what's happening top down because from my very cynical perspective, 
the people in power are there to be in power. I, I don't, I just, doesn't seem like there's a lot of career politicians that are there to help per se. It's just, it, it seems like they're there to, to stay there and to exercise the power that they have. I'm sorry, I've not articulated this before, so I'm trying to sort through this, but it, I understand what we have with, with people in power from my current, from my current perspective, their job is to stay in power and their job is to, to do things that will enhance their ability to stay in power. So what I see going on now is just simply a power play. How do you remove certain people from society so that they can't exercise their economic power, whatever it is, so that I can consolidate power over here? That's not what concerns me. For me, that's par for the course. That's just kind of what politicians do. Ah, they do their thing. What concerns me is that is a serious amount of buy-in from a lot of the population that agree that, yes, nurse, if you don't get vaccinated, you should be fired. And despite kids, despite there being virtually, I mean, the risk to kids for COVID is so low. The fact that so many people are gung-ho about forcing kids to wear masks all day. I don't get it. That's what bothers me is people's response, the population's response to this and seeing just how many people are okay with the severe restriction of, of freedoms. So I apologize. That is a long way of just saying, I don't like the way society is headed. Everyone feels like is turning against each other. We're all pitted on this COVID subject. Um, you got people at the top that again, I think are just doing what they do, but everyone else we're just so divided. And unfortunately, those who are taking a stand right now are getting kicked out of the economy. You know, And I'm worried what happens if and when I make that decision because things go too far. Again, I'm vaccinated. I'll probably go get a booster. But I don't know if I'll get number four, number five. I don't know if I'm going to do that. And uh, Well, you don't, you're not in the population that's really where they're really pushing the boosters. I mean, yeah, it's mostly people over 65 or have underlying health conditions. No, you're right. And I think that uh, it's probably a good idea uh, from from what I understand. I think it's a good idea for at-risk populations to get a booster. I, I, well, I, dude, like, I don't know. I'm not a professional in, the, in medicine, right? And, like, at, at the same time, like, there are renowned health organizations that have decried the booster program. So... There's good faith positions on all sides. Um, there is, and maybe that's part of the problem is that I don't understand the good faith position from the other side because when I look at the data, I, I don't see it. Like the push for 5 to 11-year-olds to get vaccinated makes zero sense to me. It makes mm -hmm. zero sense. My child, my son, well, he's two, but so let's pretend he was five. My son is at lo a lower risk of being hospitalized than I am as a vaccinated 30 seven i think i'm 37 37 year old um he's at a lower risk than i am um my i have a coworker whose eight-year-old son is asthmatic he is at a lower risk be just simply being a kid uh for even having symptoms than his mom is as a, as a fully vaccinated you know adult so the vert the risk to kids is virtually non-existent and yet we are still pushing this this treatment to them as if it's required to participate in society. And maybe now that I think about it, maybe that is what rubs me the wrong way because you, you're putting kids into this and the data 
that I have seen, and I could be wrong, I could be wrong, but the data I have seen show that kids are, we need to be more worried about drownings, kidnappings, child murders, deaths from the flu for kids than we do about deaths from COVID. And yet we are starting to push these vaccines on kids and they can't go to school. You know, they won't be able to go to school if they don't have these shots. It's just, so many things are going on. that just makes no sense to me. And the only sense that I can make of it is that I just step into my cynical position and be like, wow, th- th- okay, if I can't understand it, then it must be done on purpose and there must be a, a sinister, there must mm-hmm. be a sinister purpose behind it. And right. that's what's driving me into this, into this cave is this idea that yeah. because I can't explain it or I can't understand the other side of the equation, given, you know, the stuff that I've, just the stuff that I've looked into, then therefore it must be on purpose. And if it's on purpose, yeah. then there's a sinister reason behind it. And that's, that's what's driving me nuts, Jeremy. Well, um, so just, just to, to well, it's it kind of interesting. I'm surprised we haven't done like a COVID episode before, mm. <laughs> given that our, our podcast started, uh, it during did. all of this. Um, and we've kind of stayed away from it. Um, but, uh, I just want to say, you know, uh, Ryan and I don't always have the same opinions on things and I have no problem with Ryan, uh, talking about his opinions. Uh, it's good for people to know that the, this philosophy is practiced by people who hold a wide variety of, uh, viewpoints on different things in society. Um, but what I'm really interested in, and you know, you and I, I'm sure will 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 go into the weeds about the epidemiology and all that. Um, I don't, uh, I don't really have strong opinions about mm-hmm. it just to put my cards on the mm-hmm. table. Cause I don't want it to feel like you just bared your no, soul and a- I didn't, but like, I, I just don't feel like there's, um, I feel like the problem here is not epidemiology. It's not the data. It's not the science per se. It's the erosion of trust that has occurred in our society over the last 50, 75 yeah, years that's a better. set us up for this, for this indecision, for this inability to come together as a social complex and point in a single direction, not because someone tells us to, but because we have all built the trust that we can under, we can network this decision across the complex, right? Across you the society it. as a fourth density you uh, nailed it. Uh, social memory complex would do it, right? You nailed it. There's, and I think that, and that's something that I noticed, um, that's something that I noticed other people might've figured this out earlier, but when Trump came into office and again, I was, my job is to read the news. So I'm reading all this crap. Like, oh boy, we're, (laughs) we're in trouble. And then the whole Trump presidency, I guess kind of pulled back the curtain, or at least it kind of solidified that, that. Our, I feel like our institutions are in trouble. I feel like they're in trouble. And that was just exemplified for me during the Trump presidency when the fourth estate, you know, the media, um, I don't think they came out of that presidency with a better reputation. They lost at least half the country. You know, they lost at least half, the mainstream media lost at least half the country or at least it bifurcated in between uh, like, you know, Fox News and MSNBC, you know, each each team kind of goes with their own news source. But yeah. that also moves to the FBI. That also moves to other, uh, the CDC, you know, or it's, it's not just the media. It's every, it's every institution. It's, uh, it's just everything, every institution that's been in place. Yeah, we're starting to lose our faith in. 
And uh, maybe that's maybe that's a better way of putting it, Jeremy. Um, there's no there's no unifying mm. unifying source as a society to say, okay, well, here's this apolitical group over here that isn't there to to collect more power or to exert power. They're here to provide us with an educated opinion about what's going on and what may be best, you know, health-wise or whatever it is. That is gone, you know. Either yeah. everything has been politicized or it, uh, it has been made to look to be politicized by the other side, <laughs> you know. Because there's no overarching trust in society, mm. now you choose which group you trust. Yes. You choose uh, the liberal, pro-vax, pro-quote-unquote science people, or do you choose, you mm -hmm. know, the anti-vax, conservative, um, you know, uh, uh, don't, don't, uh, don't tread on me kind of. Yeah. And these are like emotional circles, way more in my opinion than ideological mm -hmm. ones, right? Like all, both schools have inconsistencies in them. Both schools yeah, have sure. like things that don't make sense. Like I'm, I'm pro vaccination for the most part, but like I have a limit too. I'm not going to get 50 shots. Mm. You know what I mean? Like everybody's got, nobody's going to put up with this forever. Like, and that's, that's a, that's a shame because I mean, it's a shame that we can't use that as a way to unify. Mm. Oh yeah. You know, that, yeah. that's the thing about um, these, these social, um, these breaking points that we reach is that like, even though we take these different positions on it, uh, we are all united by our common desire for harmony, our common desire to like get past this. Isn't that funny? And none of us need it to have it all our own way. Right? Like nobody I've met, even the most, even the biggest crank understands they don't get everything their own mm -hmm. way. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. There's always some compromise yeah. there. And yet, Compromise itself in the political institutions has been completely discredited. I yeah, mean, it has. As, as somebody who's watched the Democrats and all of this uh, negotiation around the, uh, the the bills that have been here, like nobody on the on on the liberal left side really trusts Democrats to negotiate in good faith. It seems like they always come to the table with their first offer being their best offer instead of actually negotiating, actually coming to the table as if they wanted what they say that they want. So, like, there's lots of frustration and lack of trust, even within these oh, groups totally. about the leadership. Well, of the, the same yeah. things on the Republican side. You know, uh, the uh, conservatives have been ra railing mainstream Republicans that are watching, you know, watching whenever whenever Democrats are in power from the right. It feels like they're very good about. It's, it's so funny having this conversation because I can, I can, you know, this is just so good. But if from the right's perspective, it's like, wow, look, the left gets in power and boy, do they consolidate power. They make moves. They're, they're passing regulations, maybe not be passing laws, but you're passing regulations. You're laying the hammer down. You're doing this. You're doing that. <laughs> Republicans get in power and nothing happens. No one's, you know, Republicans are supposedly the party of, of more freedom individual rights, states' rights, yet when Trump was elected and Republicans had the House and the Senate, did they pass power back to the states? No, they didn't do jack. You know, they didn't do anything. So it's like there's frustration from the right as well looking at the, you know, the, that team.
all of us have ample reason to be uh, frustrated and disappointed with this, with this, con with the condition of our society, with the condition of this, what at the end of the day is a big family on mm -hmm. this planet, um, regardless of what our viewpoints are. And um, it's interesting to think about how to apply the law of one to that problem. Well, yes. Because, well, the first thing that I think of is uh, one big thing I've seen coming through the transcript reading I've been doing is the Confederation really uh, uh, advising that we take things one day at a time? Mm -hmm. We don't really have, from their point of view, if I understand it correctly, much ability to plan in a spiritually coherent way. Mm -hmm. All we can do is ask for the grace and patience and ask for the widening of perspective to be able to deal with what's right in front of us right now in that magic cauldron of the present moment mm. where all of the stuff that becomes transformation that becomes insight happens. And I think maybe like it's tough. And, and, and I say this as somebody who doesn't have kids, right? I understand that by the very nature of your role, you have to think of the future. Mm. I understand that. Um, I would only say that, uh, you know, the Stoic philosophers always uh, chastise their students to not worry about things that they don't have control over. Yes. And that it must be so difficult. I have to observe it. That must be so difficult to bring into this world something that you treasure more than anything else, something that all you want to do is see flourish, but recognize that at the end of the day, it's not totally up to you, right? It's not. And... To cut well, let me bring up one item. You remember a while ago, I I like I told you that I'm ever watching the news, watching a documentary in particular, and if I get particularly fired up about what they're telling me, then that serves as a red flag that I'm probably being manipulated. They're probably framing that things are always so nuanced; it's rarely so clear cut. I feel like I need to take that tack whenever I'm getting, whenever I'm feeling flustered about. What you know, my opinions about what's going on in the world. Maybe that should be a flag. Not maybe not that I'm being manipulated per se, but that maybe the flag should be, "Hey, dude, remember the illusion. Remember the illusion, and remember that I came here. I came to Earth in this incarnation to experience certain things. I chose this time. I chose whatever is about to go down, whatever has gone down in the past." I've basically chosen this. Furthermore, my kids being born, it follows that they have chosen this as well. And if that's the case, then what lessons are there to learn during the experience? You know, am I going to get locked into that illusion and try to let it, let it affect me to the point where I can't function? Or, or can't, you know, or can't learn or can't have a happy life? Or do I take, try to take that wider perspective and say, am I going to love my friends? Am I going to try to be the light and live every day with love and understanding? And one thing that constantly comes to mind and, and thank God for this. And, and as, as a non-Christian, thank God for this, but it's, it's, uh, I only know this because of, uh, 
the movie, Mel Gibson's movie where Jesus, what is that movie? The, the Passion of the, of the Christ. Christ. I only know this. Um, but isn't it where uh, the Jews turn in Jesus and Pilate's talking to Jesus and he's like, yo, dude, you know, are you are you the king of the Jews? You know? And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Kind of knowing he's in, he's in trouble. He's probably going to go to die, you know, sooner or later. And he says, my kingdom is not of this world. And I think about that. I have thought about that every day for the last couple months when it just kind of was incepted in my mind somehow. I try to think about that. Ryan, don't get caught up in this illusion. You're here to learn and to try, do your best to love others. This is not the end game. So chill out, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard hard thing to learn because you know the what talking about how you are effectively triggered yeah totally by by programs oh, yeah. right um and and their attitude their kind of production style and the way they seem too glossy or too glib and they just kind of they suck you speak in it's to like you. oh you know. <laughs> yeah it's like a, with snake yeah, oil it's salesman, a snake right? so it's it must snake be too good charming to be true. Is what, you know it's snake charming yeah yeah and you know I, I have that same reaction. I think that's a common wanderer reaction, to be honest, of not simply. I've seen a lot of wanderers who feel insulted by that. You know what I mean? Like who like when they feel manipulated, like I, this is how I am. Maybe I shouldn't speak for all wanderers. I'll just say me. I. Like commercials really rub me the wrong way. Like I hate commercials. I hate the way that they play on my emotions and the like the visual ways that they like. I mean, if you think about all film, it's all juxtaposing these scenes against each other to create what otherwise your mind, if your mind was just looking at reality, you know, you just see a continuous stream of something that's always changing, but the the frame is the same. They just push things together. Like, you know, like, um, like Clockwork Orange style, yeah. right? Like everything just gets jammed together and it creates a certain impression in your mind. You can't even help it. You're right. I know that I'm vulnerable. That's why it's why it bothers me. I know <laughs> that I have a vulnerable mind. Um, and uh, what I have been trying to do is instead of getting angry about it, I try to notice the trigger and... The, 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 the lesson that the Confederation always gives us is to find the love in the moment. So the question is, is what is the love in the moment where you see this appeal for your attention, this appeal to get around your waking consciousness, your ability to make decisions rationally based on the things that are right mm-hmm. in front of you, and to try to get behind that and like get into the limbic par- portion of your consciousness and affect your emotions so that you make different decisions out of mm-hmm. those emotions, right? Um, and the, the way that I've been able to find to kind of square that circle best, cause I certainly haven't solved the puzzle, um, is to just accept that I am vulnerable and that I am manipulable. You're human. You can talk me into things that that's a true thing about me. I may not like it about yeah. myself, but it is the way that I am. And it, and it's foolish to, to say that I'm not like that. How can I be loving and be radiating unconditional love to the greatest extent possible, in spite of the fact yes. that I feel kind of like a fool. You know, 
Yes. Right? Yes, yes, yes. I feel like sometimes, no, all the time, when I get fired up, it's because I'm looking, I'm looking at the big picture. Ugh. Let's say that I'm looking at the big picture, but when I need to be focusing smaller. For example, do I know anyone who has been fired yet because they haven't been vaccinated? I do not. If I do, if I do have a friend or loved one who's let go because they've made that choice, then it is on me to help them if they need help. Yeah. You know, so why stress about all this other stuff? I, I cannot control. I can call my congressperson. I can put up flyers. I can, you know, I can cer certainly take actions to try to, you know, whatever, make change, I suppose. But maybe what matters is that I look, I, I condense it and I work person to person and not, <laughs> I, uh, this is one thing. This is one thing Jordan Peterson rails on. I am a, I am a huge fan of Jordan Peterson. Be aware, be aware, listeners. <clears throat> one thing he rails on. And I am not, be aware, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> one thing he rails on is that he really rails on people who try to change society without first trying to change, look for that change within themselves. That's why he says clean up your room first before you try to clean up the political order, right? And I need to take, I need to take that lesson to heart because I get caught up in trying to change looking at these big problems without first maybe starting from the ground up and making sure my own house is clean, you know? Sure. You know, I think that's very sound advice. I mean, I think a lot of Jordan Peterson's advice is sound. I just don't think it's very special. Mm -hmm. That's all. Um, and also, uh, I don't think there's a serial element to it. Frankly, there's no reason I have to wait to do anything political, to do anything in the yellow ray matrix until I've gotten my orange ray matrix completely squared away. I think we work on all the, I think what the energy body is, is the fact that consciousness expresses in all of these dimensions at once. Mm. And we're working on all of them at once, trying to find this like weird balance between the survival needs of the red yeah. ray, uh, the, the, the understanding of the self and the, and the, and the individual other in the orange ray, the understanding of the social complex and the self in the, in the yellow ray, the study of unconditional love. Like we're working with everything at once. Something may have our attention, our focus or not, but that's, um, there's no, I think people would do better politics if they recognize that they were working on themselves when they were doing politics. Mm. And I think people would work on themselves better if they recognized this was a point that I made, uh, like 15 years ago in an essay, but like I, there's a certain sense in which I think working to reform the, the, the social self is work on the personal self and work on the personal self is work on the social mm. self. The, the Confederation has definitely said straight up, you want to make the world better, work on yourself. Like, so that, that yeah. right up there, like everybody agrees on that. But the issue is that um, there's things that you can learn by engaging with society, by engaging with these institutions uh, that simple sitting at home and meditating won't teach you. Yeah. That's why we're in a situation where we have uh, the great fortune <laughs> to uh, That's the purpose systems, of right? this. That is yeah. the purpose of this density. Yeah. How do you get? How do you? How do you get to that green? Like we've said before, you know, we're here to learn the lessons of love. That's why we're here. 
all right, you can you can skip ahead. Sure, we might some people might be working here in Blu-ray and above, but we're here to get to fourth density to learn the lessons of love and understanding. And that means that yellow ray is going to be kind of a shit show. And whenever I feel like I'm running into an issue with a particular with a particular call it ray, I take a step down and say, okay, do I need to revisit anything? previous for you know so for example if it's a if it's a yellow ray issue that i'm struggling with you know i'll think about dialing it back and say okay well is there anything at the orange ray level that i need to address is there anything if i'm having issues at the orange ray level okay well is there anything at the red ray level i need to address first so but that's just something i guess i do as a little clean house as a little uh house cleaning method but uh <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. We're here. There's a reason why we've people are so attracted to cities and you know, this is what it's all about. Is <laughs> rubbing up you know, hitting hitting each other figuratively speaking, rubbing up against each other, getting that friction and trying to iron out the complexity and come to a place of of uh love and understanding. Well, it's, it's just, it's also worth recognizing that you having an emotional reaction to this rubbing together doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with mm. you. It doesn't mean that you did something wrong. It doesn't necessarily mean that they did something wrong. It's just how we are jumbling together into fourth mm -hmm. density, right? We're just kind of all sort of like, you know, piling into the fourth density clown yeah. car, right? Like just <laughs> trying to fit in there. Yeah, totally. I think it's also so the working with the triggers was one thing that I thought of when I when I when I listened to how you were approaching this and it and it and it applies to me too. Um, the other I would think would be if we don't have direct effective control to change these things to our satisfaction, and uh, if acceptance and love are the ways in which we best spiritually engage with this stuff. And the question is, what what puts us in that ability? What puts us on good footing to do yes. that, right? How can we, so like, this is something we can control. Like, how can we put ourselves on good footing so that when the the BS of life presents itself, we're at least in the best position possible to benefit from it, to recognize uh, that it is a lesson, to recognize the didactic nature of what at first just seems annoying or threatening or something getting in the way of the surface level living of mm -hmm. life, which is, it's just the third density is so good at making you think that the point of life is the simulation aspect. It's not the essential aspect. And like, that ability to bring our attention back to the essential aspect, the discipline to do that uh, over and over again, even when we keep getting pulled back into something that's more material, um, I think that has a lot to do with attitude. Mm -hmm. And the one uh, session that I was able to find had to do with attitude. Mm. And I thought maybe there would be some uh, choice things to read and discuss here. I know we have a uh, limited time, so maybe it's a bad time to bring it up. <laughs> Are the, is there any paragraph or sentences that pop out at you? Yeah, let me, let me, let me, uh, I'm going to really condense it down and just go to where I think it would be most helpful. So this is, uh, I believe quo January 3rd, 1993. And I'm just jumping right to the point I want. <clears throat> 
um, look for a moment at the fear, at that turn of thought, and see the dulling, freezing, darkening effect of fear. We do not encourage you to go forward as if you had no fear, if your distress is considerable, but would indeed encourage you, if you can do this at any crux, to recognize and accept these older and seemingly more painful lessons, even though they are painful. The barriers put up by fear could seem to be an attitude barrier through which truth simply will not flow. So much of the work of having a positive attitude is clearing away the inevitable irritation that grows upon one at life itself for handling, for handing you your own failings as seen by yourself, then asking you with those failings to tackle that which is too hard for you. The first adjustment then is simply to accept difficult material. You may work in another density on accepting it with total and unconditional love. In terms of the choice made in third density for the light, it is well that you focus on the basic choice of saying yes to whatever the incarnation brings. Accepting difficult material is in itself difficult. Simply to accept is excellent work for you as a soul. For in accepting this difficult lesson of love as it manifests to you, you are expressing faith in the nature of this material. Uh, do you see that in order? And I, it's inaudible, but I think they, I'm going to fill in what I think they're saying. Do you see that in order to reject this material, you would have to say to life itself, I do not believe that there is a reason for this suffering, limitation, and loss. I do not believe I am a loved child in my father's care. Now, in seeking the creator, we so often assume that, of course, we accept that we are children under the one great original creator's care. However, in the day-to-day experience, the seeming unconditional acceptance is refused and ignored by the thoughts of doubting the goodness Mm. of a destiny, which would so bombard you with difficult situations and emotions. Once you have seen this portion of your attitude come into focus, that is a simple and profound faith in the system of learning lessons in your density. Then you may choose wisely how you may approach the sense impressions which make up the daily experience. If all things are good, but often unknown, then it is with eager interest and positive hopes that one would take up every new thing that came forward to the sinister of attention. I'll Mm. leave it there. Um, But uh, it has, this reading is really good because it talks about attitude and um, how it is a matter of faith to look at the darkness and to recognize that it serves a purpose that it is useful, that it has that it has the potential to be used for good. Yes. And that um, we just need to be putting one foot in front of another as we learn these lessons, right? Well, and when you face the darkness, and the darkness for each person is different. For me, it might be my fear of just losing, losing freedom over an oppressive cultural norm or oppressive society, whatever it might be. But when one faces darkness... Maybe what matters is how do you respond? Do you do you shut down? Do you just get absorbed yeah. into it? Do you give up? Or do you try to be a light? What does it mean to be a light? You know, the best I can understand is it just means to continue loving. Even those who may be exercising darkness, you don't have to like it, but you know. Oh well, that's a tough one. Yeah, there's somewhere I can't find it right now, but there's somewhere else in that in that session where they talk about. We're not saying that you uh, 
you you go into this um, having no fear. Mm. What we're saying is that you love in spite of the fact that you feel fear, that you accept yourself, in fact, in spite yeah. of the fact that you were feeling fear. And you don't let that stand in the way. You And, and it talks a lot about emotions. I wish we had more time. It talks a lot about how uh, you can feel these emotions and not therefore be compelled to react in some way. Mm. The feeling of the emotion does not require you to act in any particular way. And usually the reason that we react now I'm now I'm soapboxing. The reason why we react is because we don't want to feel that way and we want to get rid of that feeling. So we we take the attention off that emotional artifact that is so pure that has so much potential in it. Instead we try to look for something that caused it that can get it out so we can attack that and get it out of the way. Mm. Or we push it down, and that's just as much a ignoring. Um, the idea is to feel the emotion, and then instead of as an animal who would just react instinctively to the stimulus of that emotion, that we think like spirits, and that we act on principle, and we act on the faith and knowledge of the educational nature of all of yeah. this, and that that which is not needed will fall away. Uh, but it is a, the work of many, many lifetimes to find that which needs to fall away, yeah. right? That, that which you don't yeah. need. That's what, that, that which is unessential mm-hmm. about yourself. Well, I'm starting to think that uh, no matter what's going on in life, we really need to have these weekly, these weekly chats because you, again, you just can, you help offer perspective or at minimum remind me that there is a perspective that I can, I can step out on and look at perspective. And I'm just reminded that whatever it is that I'm feeling or whatever it is that I'm thinking, I need to take it, all of it with a grain of salt because it's coming through whatever current level of consciousness I'm at. And I need to work on raising or expanding that consciousness. And when I do that, I will, if and when I succeed at that, I will probably realize that what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking right now is not incorrect per se, but it's based on certain opinions or certain viewpoints that maybe I don't have entire understanding of or, or context of. Again, life is so nuanced. It's very, very rare that things are so clear cut. And I need to remind myself of that. <laughs> we, it's, it's so strange. It's such a strange philosophy because it looks at life instrumentally and says that it all has this like function, mm. right? That it's not just itself. It's not just sending kids to school and going to jobs and having arguments with your spouse or any of any of these little details of life that we all recognize. They actually, the real point of them is this other kind of thing that's like 90 at 90 degrees to it, yes. right? And so that's such a weird thing, but somehow I accept that a lot more readily than I do the idea that my emotional reactions, that my habits, that my tics, that my thought patterns that I may or may not accept are also serve that purpose, right? The things within me that are uh, registering this discomfort also have that ni- at a 90 degree angle, this other thing that is being worked on while it seems like I'm living yeah. a life, while it seems like I'm having a temper but it's tantrum those, or, or enjoying but it's, myself. It's those, you know? emo- if I remember the, the conscious channeling transcripts, remember, rem- rememberly, if I remember them correctly, that when 
you choose to come into this world, you're essentially looking for a body whose genetics are programmed in a way that you physically are going to be a certain way. Emotionally, you're going to react certain ways. I mean, it's like your body is in a very real sense programmed to respond to outside uh, input. You know, my English today is terrible, but you are. <laughs> so that's a part of the lesson. It's like, I am who I am. I feel the way I feel. Yes. I was born with it, you know, and it's, it's a journey, but I was essentially born a certain way. And so that is a filter. It's like a never ending filter that I can adjust the size of the holes in that filter, but it's still a filter I've got to deal with every day. And that informs the yeah. learning process that just, it just informs the process, I guess is the best way I can put it. Yeah. Uh, one thing that came to mind when you were describing that is that, you know, when you sound like when you, when you talk about, uh, you know, I was born this way and it's like, when we think normally when I think of, uh, excusing things or excusing people that are born this way, I'm thinking of children mm. who haven't learned, who come very fresh, who have very, uh, 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 innocent, uh, approaches to life, very uncomplicated approaches mm. to life. And uh, we recognize where they're at and we have compassion for them and we try to guide them and like relate to them on their level about how to make, uh, uh, how to explore this world and orient themselves within it and learn, um, you know, what's expected of them, but also like learn what they expect of yeah. life, right? And I wonder if uh, one could uh, fruitfully orient that way towards oneself. And see one's waking consciousness as a child mm. that was born this way, mm. was born as this weird amalgam of uh, the animal consciousness and the spirit consciousness, and is confused and is in this weird, unnatural dialectic. And we can then have compassion for ourselves, have compassion for our own confusion, our own frustration. And so that those feeling those things, having those emotional responses doesn't have to be a loss. It doesn't have to be a failure. It can just be, yeah, that that's what happens with humans and, and, and it's acceptable. Mm -hmm. And the more that we can accept it, the less we have to like uh, knee jerk react. Yes. And we can make choices. Yes. And it's that choice to love, however that manifests in the details of the situation that makes it spiritual, yes. that allows us to use the spiritual fuel in there to, to propel ourselves towards the upper spiral. It is perfect. It's, it's, you are who you are. And can you learn through the lessons that you're, you're, the lessons you're learning? Can you learn how to navigate who you are yet still show that love and understanding? So like, you know, the, I'm probably still going to, the instant reactions I get, various uh, catalyst the instant the instant reaction will probably be the same for most of my life but what happens immediately after that reaction once it get once it gets past my filter into the processing center of okay what lessons have i learned how do i approach this now you know then that's a game changer and maybe that maybe that's the point of it. You're born with this program, with this system, your body system, and you've got to find a way to work through that. <laughs> yeah, I I actually had a conversation. So like, I, I'm glad that you see the utility of these conversations because that's what I'm talking about. Is I have these like 
three, four, five times a week. And it feels so good. And, um, I, we were having a conversation that, that grazed on this, uh, topic and it does seem like a big part of the growth of consciousness and third density has to do with decoupling the emotional reaction to something from the desire to tell a story about it, the desire to explain it to yourself and mm-hmm. then like act in some way because of that story. Not the, not, you're not acting to the emotion. You created a story because of the, that, that, that explains the emotion and then orients your action further. Whereas if we could just feel the emotion and then decide how we want to act, not react, but decide yes. making the choice after. Yes. But we have to give ourselves a chance to make a choice, right? Like that's, it's like you got to get in the middle of that stimulus response feedback loop. You got to get in like, that's where I think meditation really comes in useful is we learn how to, we learn how ephemeral our thoughts are, what the nature of thought really is. And then we start to see, oh, this is how I insert love into the situation. Yes. Yes. Well. I have lots of love to insert in situations until our next conversation, but I do have to cut it off here, my friend. Yeah, I know. Well, uh, I'm just so glad we got something recorded. Um, you know, I, I hope it's all useful. It's very useful <laughs> at minimum. I hope it's all usable. At minimum, <laughs> it uh, it snaps me out of the. It snaps me out of it, and that sometimes that's all you need is just someone to pull you out for a quick minute and remind you go hey dude yeah yo <laughs> what and, and and just remember 30 seconds of meditation is better yeah. than none amen i need to get back Seriously, into that i know so bad i <sighs> I, I feel i know the struggle is real i struggled a lot with it in yeah. october so i we all go through it um but once you dip back in once you really dip back in you'll realize why you were doing it all yeah. along Trust me on that, brother. Heck yeah. All right. Well, we're going to call it there. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's so good to be talking to you again. Somehow when we turn the the record button on, it, it's it, it right? is. It is. I mean. <laughs> then just FaceTiming. I, I know. I mean, it is, but it isn't. I mean, it is in the fact that we're trying to keep things moving, but I feel like I'm just still, I'm still yeah. talking with you, my buddy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I love it. Cool. I love it. Well, give my best to the fam. I'm so happy y'all are doing well. Thank you. And um, right back at you. And uh, until the next episode, uh, stay in the love and light.